Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This is hour two of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings alongside Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bonantoni with you. If you missed any of the first hour of the program, remember you can always download the Lombardi Line in podcast form wherever you get your podcast. Speaking of which, a new edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael and Femi is officially out now. So if you are not a subscriber, make sure you do that now so you download it automatically. But a great edition of the GM Shuffle today where you and Femi are discussing a lot of what went down on Championship Sunday and something that you guys talked about on Saturday when asked who would be the coach most likely to have coaching malpractice. I think that the evidence was clear yesterday that Dan Campbell was correct, Michael. Well done, sir. Well, I mean, look, the guy's 50% on on fourth down. I mean, we act like they get it all the time. We act that they were in Philadelphia with the tush push. It's it's automatic. They're 50%. What were the odds of making the field goal? They were greater than 50%. So, like, I, I don't understand why that's never brought into the su- subject. Like, they were not a 75% fourth down conversion team. They, they, they had the most attempts. They weren't the most successful. They had 21 attempts. They had 21 successes before yesterday. So, like, to me, all, when everybody tells you the story, they, they only slant the story to the part of the story they want you to know that, that supports what they're doing. And, and it's kind of unfair. Because, look, he had his chance to win that game. He had his chance to win that game. As a coach, as a leader, he had his chance to win that game. And one of his mentors and Bill Parcells probably was watching that game from wherever he's living saying, you know, Dan made some mistakes. Let's face it. He made some mistakes. He just did some things that he probably shouldn't have done in terms of how we're going to handle the situation and what we do. And and everything comes down to situational football, right? Everything comes down to that. Everything comes down to what do we do? How do we handle it? And where we, where we rank, you know, like like the Eagles are the number one fourth down conversion team. They were 67%. I mean, Detroit was, Detroit was 12th overall at 53.3%, 21 for 40. I mean, that's not a lock. I mean, Tampa was 66.6%. And don't worry. I mean, to me, I, I think it never gets brought up. It never gets talked about. It, it really doesn't. When they go on the road, they were 51% conversion percentage on the road. 51%. Isn't that important? I was just going to say, how- and why is it that being aggressive makes it okay? Like, and that would be like saying, I'm going to play chess against an elite chess player and I'm going to be aggressive and just play it. Like, no, chess players don't talk about being aggressive. Chess players talk about being smart. Like, be smart. I, I Look, I, I go back and forth on the 48-yard at a tie of the game. I wasn't sure that Bagley would have made the kick. I would have, you know, I would have had to see him in pregame to know it. 
I, I didn't like the call. I thought they did a great job. They disguised the coverage. They caught him off guard. They thought they were going to get a man beater and they got a zone and, and golf had a move. What makes it really fascinating about this Lions offensive team stormy is they have no ability from the quarterback to make plays with his feet. And usually teams that do it on fourth down, it always comes from the quarterback's ability, run or pass. And what I was going to say is just have no fear. Dan Campbell will be stepping into the office in about 15 minutes. So we have to step into Michael Lombardi's office today. We'll have VEASAN Zone NFL analyst Mike Pritchard join us as well this hour. And we'll get into some coaching carousel talk at the end of this hour. But um, to go to go back to the Lions 49ers, San Francisco winning 34-31. They overcome a 17-point second-half deficit, the largest halftime deficit in conference championship history to go out and win in outright fashion in order for that to happen. It's yes. The, the fourth downs were, were, it was just too much situationally, especially considering when you kick the field goal at the end of halftime in a fourth and three situation, because you say, Oh, it was a little bit longer than I thought it was. But then the second failed fourth down conversion in the second half was a fourth and three. So it's, I don't know. It's just a little bit of a different thing in my brain, but a lot of other things obviously had to happen as well. And credit San Francisco, because as Kevin Burkhart said, how do you lose a 17 point lead in eight minutes? Some crazy stuff happens. And that includes a Brandon Ayuk wild awareness catch that he had off of a defender. You think about that Juwan Jennings first down catch. You think about Brock Purdy and his ability to be accurate and then use his legs in certain situations. A lot of things for as much as the Lions let this game go, the San Francisco 49ers had to step up and win it in gritty fashion as well. Well, I mean, look, and somebody just sent me this article that Bill Barnwell wrote back for Grantland back in 2013, where he said it's the, the title of the article is Momentum where he basically said it's time to put to rest a ridiculous notion that momentum exists and matters in the NFL. Like, uh, are really, are you really going to try to sell me on that? And this is where the analytical community comes in. And I don't have anything against analytics. I really don't. I have everything against bad decisions and poor decision process. But to tell me momentum doesn't, isn't involved in pro sports, then you've never played pro sports. You've never put a jock strap on. You've never understood the level of competition. There is a momentum-building event. You could feel it. It's called confidence. We can win this thing. There was no confidence on the sideline. Yeah. There was none. And all of a sudden, it flipped. I mean, I, I think it's kind of really far out to, to kind of label this. It's, it's ridiculous, frankly, to, to even say it. And, and if you don't equate momentum into your decision, what are we doing here? You've not watched football. You've not watched sports. You've watched sports your whole life. Let me ask you the question. Do you think momentum exists? I absolutely do. I always make the joke. It's funny that the name of that article is no menum because like a joke in my family is there's no menum like momentum. And we say it in a positive way because I, I am somebody that's a believer in that. And I believe in taking the gas and the air out of a, out of a building. And I believe in getting some positive things happening at the end of a half, carrying into the second half. That's why we talk about the middle eight being so important. Like I do believe in those things. And with this, now the lions lose a 12th straight road playoff game, the longest streak in postseason history. History. The Lions' last road playoff win, they mentioned it in the broadcast, coincidentally against the 49ers back in 1957, where the 49ers led that game 24-7 before the Lions came from behind with 24 unanswered. They win 31-27. They won the NFL championship the following game in blowout fashion against Cleveland. So I would love to see the 49ers do that moving forward because they have a very tough opponent coming up, Michael, in the Kansas City Chiefs, who knocked off the Ravens, who I know I said a lot and I feel like it was widely believed that the Baltimore Ravens were the most dangerous team remaining they were bet like crazy yesterday and Kansas City did what Kansas City does yeah and, and I mean look I, I this was not being bet by people that uh were emotionally attached to Baltimore this was being bet by people that have models that have that run algorithms that basically thought the line should have been five and a half not three not three and a half not four not four and a half like there was value. People were believing they were getting value. Now, there was that whole group of people, which certainly it, you make sense. I mean, I did Russo on Friday and he's like, I'm taking Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the game. I'm taking the four points. I got that. And, and, and the logic behind it is real. I understand it. However, it really didn't prove itself out in the game. Mahomes was tremendous. I'm not taking anything away. But what, what really lost the game was Baltimore. Baltimore, what did I say on Sunday? We talked about it. 
It's really a game Baltimore against Baltimore. It wasn't really a game against Mahomes or the Chiefs. It's can we play to our level? And for Baltimore to lose, they were going to have to play well below their level, which we hadn't seen them do in a long, long time. And yet they did. They saved their worst for last. And they got embarrassed. And it started on Tuesday with this ridiculous game plan of we're not even going to try to run the ball. They behaved as if they got behind by 40 points. And there were opportunities all the way down until the this Valdell Scanlon catch to actually get back into the game. There were. I mean, the, the ridiculous interception in the end zone where Likely thinks he's he's wide open and he's got convergence all over him. I mean, the impatience that, that went into their play calling, their design, it really was bad. Look, we know this about the Ravens. They're a play-action pass team. That's what they have to do. That, that's a good thing. So is San Francisco. But when you don't even try to run the ball, what happens? Well, and that's exactly it. It's like you have one of the best rushing offenses playing a run defense that's like 26th in the NFL, but instead you want to pass it against a top five pass defense. It just, just strategically, it doesn't make sense. It feels like the definition of insanity. And I feel for the Ravens defense because you hold Patrick Mahomes in this group to just 17 points, the number one scoring defense this season. Teams had been... 18 and 0 since 2004, allowing 17 or fewer in a conference championship game entering that game yesterday. If you hold a team to 17 points, you are winning. And the Ravens weren't able to get it done. It's just crazy. And now Lamar Jackson falls to two and four as a starter in the postseason, despite having been the top seed in both of those instances, despite getting to host the Kansas City Chiefs in this spot and being a favorite and being probably not probably being man for man, player for player, the better team. Yeah, no question. I mean, this one's going to sting for a while. I mean, this one's going to sting for a while. I went back and and I was looking up, you know, like when you go through it, Brian Billick only went to one Super Bowl. You know, he coached nine years in Baltimore. He went to one Super Bowl. And, you know, after a five and 11 season with Kyle Bowler, he got fired the year before he was 13 and three and they lost a playoff game. Right. And they had all the same things, all the same things that they had this year. Number one seed, they had a great opportunity, 13 and three in 2006, and they were one and done. And John is now 12 and 10 in playoff games. And when you look at what he's been able to accomplish, you know, he's won basically since the Super Bowl, he is two and five in playoff games. Two and five in playoff games. They are. And there's need to be, and I'm not suggesting John Harbaugh get fired whatsoever. I think he's a very good coach. But when you're two and five in the playoff games of the games that you've made since the Super Bowl, right? Since the Super Bowl, then you've got to sit and reevaluate what you're doing, where you are. Is your team just a regular season team, or can you play in the can you play in the in the playoffs? Because right now. We don't think they can. Well, and that's the thing, too. When you go back to Lamar Jackson, he's a regular season MVP. Why didn't we see MVP Lamar in this game when it counted most? And and that's unfortunate to hear. A heartbreaking loss for the Ravens, a heartbreaking loss for Detroit. But that sets up a rematch of the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl from a few years ago. When we come back, step into Michael's office. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 join us march 20th live from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring an unforgettable performance by grammy and academy award-winning singer songwriter and composer john batiste the all-new infinity qx80 is unlike any luxury suv you've ever seen Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. With Omaha Steaks, you'll fall in love at first bite with their tender steaks, juicy burgers, air-chilled chicken, and more. You're going to love every bite. It's an Omaha Steaks guarantee. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash vsin, you'll get four free air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy boneless pork chops with your order. Minimum purchase may apply. Appointments are lined up. You waiting for somebody in there? You've got an appointment. And it's not about what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. It's not personal. It's strictly business. It's time you and me had a private talk when you step into my office. And step into my office with Michael Lombardi. Mr. Lombardi, we'll see you now. To the surprise of no one, the first person stepping into Michael's office today, Dan Campbell. After the Lions led 24-7 over the San Francisco 49ers at halftime, they blew a 17-point lead, allowing San Francisco to score 27 unanswered points and eventually fall in the biggest second-half collapse in conference championship history. Dan Campbell postgame spoke about a bitter end to a promising postseason. We'll listen to this and react. You can only say so much. You got to live it, unfortunately. You got to get your heart ripped out, which we did. And it's a lesson learned. And look, I told those guys, this may have been all a shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I, I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware. And it'll be, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. That's, that's the reality. And if we don't have the same hunger and the same work, which is a whole other thing, once we get the offseason, um, then we got no shot of getting back here. Michael, and you can hear it in his voice, heartbreaking. If you are talking to Dan Campbell today, and we already discussed the fourth downs and all of that, are you on board with the Dan Gamble mentality because it worked to get you here? Or does his philosophy moving forward need tweaking? What are you saying to Dan today? I think if what I would say to Dan simply is this, Dan, every situation is different. There's not a universal aggressiveness. And our offense is really good. If we lose Ben Johnson, then I think we got to have a conversation about where we're going. We're going to pay Jared Goff a lot of money. We've already said that. He's going to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. So the team's going to be constructed a little bit differently. And maybe we don't have the same kind of team that we had this year. Every game, every team is different. And I think you have to evaluate every fourth down as a standalone fourth down. Going for a fourth and three in Tampa in week seven is way different than fourth and three in San Francisco in the championship game. I'm sorry it is. I'm sorry, because what happens is, and I know Bill Barnwell wrote the article about momentum, but when we give them back, when we give them confidence back the other way, all of a sudden it becomes a problem. And I think you've got to take that into account. And I, I, the aggressiveness is what got us here, but the adjustment is what's going to get us further. We have to be smart. We can't just be aggressively stupid. And I think you learned that. I mean, go talk to any great leader in this country. Talk to any of the people that work with the Navy SEALs. There's a part of aggressiveness that's important. 
but it also has to be combined with intelligence and based on the unilateral decision of where you're trying to go. And I think to me, you're not taking that into account. And a lot of learning lessons as a team, a lot of learning lessons you hope that from a coaching standpoint, Dan Campbell will go ahead and take with him. Let's go to the other losing head coach yesterday in Ravens head coach, John Harbaugh, who with the loss, as you mentioned just moments ago, Baltimore has fallen since their Super Bowl to two and five in the playoffs. The Ravens had 16 rush attempts on Sunday against the Chiefs. That's half their season average of 32 per game. You're talking to Harbaugh today, like how much of the blame does he deserve what real talk does John Harbaugh need to hear today well I think John you know it's one thing to win the regular season and have everybody patting us on the back but that's not what we're here for what we're here for is to win titles and you know we have won we've only won two playoff games really and we've won three playoff games since your last Super Bowl and we've lost six we've lost six and we think we have a good team and I think really what has to happen is you we've got to figure out where are we now? You know, we signed Clowney off the street. We signed Van Noy off the street. They're two of our better players. Are we really that talented? Our offensive line needs to be reconfigured. I mean, Ronnie Stanley's our highest paid player. He's not a great left tackle. The right tackle, Morgan Moses, the inside of the guard. John Simpson got beat regularly inside on a consistent basis. So are we really as good as we think we are? That's one. Two, do we really have the right game plan? Were you happy with what Tom Buchan put on tape? Because I'm not. I think to me it was a horrendous game plan based on a starting point that didn't really make any sense against a team that's 25th in EPA. So you've got to evaluate that. You've got to evaluate the coaching. And then you as a leader, you've got to evaluate what can you do to make sure that in the biggest moment we don't panic. I wasn't on the headset yesterday, but watching that game, there was complete panic in the air. Complete. Because it felt like you were down by two touch, four touchdowns and you're only down by 10 points. And the behavior of your players, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. You're going to have to adjust. You know, you're 60, going to be 62 years old next year. 62. You know, and your last Super Bowl was, was over 11 years ago. It's time. And here's the thing, too. For as rough of a performance as that was for Baltimore, they are not the only team that has been chasing the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the fourth time in the last five years that this team is headed to a Super Bowl. And this is despite being the worst offensive season that Patrick Mahomes has seen that this Kansas City Chiefs offense has put together. What do the rest of the AFC contenders need to focus on to overcome the Chiefs and this dynasty that they're building here? Well, I think what they have to really do is decide that it's really about them. Like what the Chiefs have proven us, what Andy Reid has done with this year's team is he has a team. He's got a complete team. He's got a defense that can attack the passer. He's got some good defensive players in his front. They cover well. They're well coached. And their offense played complementary to their defense. And he got the players to buy into their roles. It's not about having the elite receivers. It's not about having elite running back. It's about how does the team behave, right? How does the team play collectively together and not make the mistakes that you cost us games? You avo- They have, have avoided losing in the last four weeks as opposed to winning. Where Baltimore lost the game. They gave them the game. They said, here you go. Wow, they penalties. We'll, we'll, we'll turn the ball over numerous times. We'll give you the game. And Kansas City accepted it. I, I don't think I would be sitting there in Cincinnati or Cleveland or Buffalo saying, boy, this looks like an impossible challenge to beat them. I would say to myself, if we don't fix our team the right way in terms of three dimension, offense, defense, kick game, in terms of being physically and mentally tough, being able to handle it, then I think we're going to really take a giant step back. And we've got to come up with our own identity. We have to have our own identity because if we don't develop an identity, I mean, Baltimore spent all year developing an identity with Todd Munkin as the new offensive coordinator. And they let it go down the drain in the first eight minutes of the game. Crazy. Your offensive philosophy works all season long and then you change it in the most important game of your entire season. It's nonsensical but one of these teams in the AFC that has a new head coach this year is Los Angeles Chargers so we go from John Harbaugh to Jim stepping into the office because after weeks of speculation he ultimately did become the new head coach he's taking over an aging and expensive roster in LA but he does have the opportunity to work with a young quarterback that many people think is top five top 10 in the league in Justin Herbert 
If you're talking to him today, what's the most important thing that Harbaugh needs to do to fix this Los Angeles Chargers team and have them reach the potential that we've been expecting for the last four years? Well, I, the number one thing you got to do is build your culture. You got to get players in the building there that fit who you are, that play to the level you want them to play. It's all about the standard of excellence. It's all about what you're going to tolerate, what you want. You need smart players, tough players that are going to adhere to that. And what you have to do is get rid of the players that don't fit that. You got to get rid of the players that don't fit that because now you have an opportunity to build your culture and you have an opportunity to surround this team and this quarterback with a lot of other pieces. And as you know, more than anybody, right, it's not the quarterback that wins every game. He's great. He helps, but he doesn't win every game. But wins every game is three-dimensional football. Offense, defense, and the King game, all working together, all not making mistakes, all within communication. And that starts with a really good culture. And I think that's ultimately what the Chargers haven't had. They've been very analytical. They haven't had any ability to really understand that momentum matters, physicality matters, toughness matters. And if they brought, if they get that to their team and they're good at blocking, good at tackling, good at the fundamentals, they have enough talent to be able to take over the Chiefs with their quarterback and these receivers that they have. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what they build. I said it when he first got hired, and I'll say it again. I feel like I would be more surprised if they didn't have immediate success than if they do, just based on what I know about him as a team builder and a guy who has found a way to consistently win. What's funny, reacting to to yesterday's games and everything, is we talked so much last week about maybe this is the year of Harbaugh, right? Maybe John wins the national championship. Uh, Jim wins the national championship. John wins the Super Bowl. Or we talked about maybe it's the year just of Michigan that the Wolverines get it done and the Lions get it done. And it ends up being the freaking Kansas City Chiefs doing it again, just finding ways. And that's why that's why fans are frustrated. They're the new Patriots. Everybody's saying they're the new Patriots, Michael. Well, because they didn't even play. It wasn't even like they were flashy. They just were very effectively efficient. And everybody that walks out of that stadium knowing Baltimore had their chance. It was their moment, and they let it slip. Yep. Two teams let it slip. Crazy. Um, we'll continue this conversation with Mike Pritchard, VEASAN's own NFL analyst, coming up next. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz with the free VSIN daily newsletter. In today's newsletter, Adam Burke shares his early thoughts on the opening line movement for Super Bowl 58 as the defending champion Chiefs went from getting two and a half points at open now to just one. Mahomes is 10 1 and 1 ATS as an underdog, including nine outright upsets, two of which have taken place this postseason. Get more expert analysis and the latest odds delivered straight to your inbox absolutely free every single morning. VSIN.com slash newsletter to subscribe. Welcome back to the Lombardi line alongside Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bond and Tony with you as we welcome to the show VEASAN NFL analyst Mike Pritchard spent nearly a decade in the National Football League as a wide receiver doing awesome work for us now. So grateful to have you. How did, how did you take in the chaos that was yesterday's action in the AFC NFC championship and how'd you do? Uh, I did well. I did well, especially the second game. Uh, Lions uh, certainly cashed a uh, ticket for me. Um, you know, it was interesting about that first game, uh, Stormy Michael, and great to be with you. It's, it's just, you know, venturing into sports betting uh, from an athlete's point of view was was interesting because, you know, the, my first few months or first few weeks, I, I would say, uh, as a sports better, uh, like I could predict an outcome, right? I mean, I know this game inside and out, but I, I quickly learned that it's not about predicting who's going to win the game. It's, it's more about probability. Uh, and that played out. Uh, certainly scenarios and probabilities uh, played out uh, in that first game, Kansas City uh, and, and Baltimore. You know, the only scenario that I could see uh, in which it would favor Kansas City is if Baltimore beat themselves. Uh, and that happened. Uh, there were so many scenarios uh, and probabilities supporting Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that certainly played out in that football game. Yeah, I think, Mike, what surprised me, if I would have told you that the Chiefs don't score in the second half, that, that the Chiefs have 32 rushes to Baltimore 16, you would have said, oh, that's no way the Chiefs win the game. And yet they score 17 points and win. Like, it, it, I, I'm still having a hard time getting my head wrapped around it. Well, you know, the the Chiefs have reinvented themselves. And in the last two years, last year it worked to perfection as they won a Super Bowl, as Mahomes got more efficient in the pocket. 
uh, they're matriculating uh, the ball. You know, Hank Stram with that uh, famous quote about matriculating the football. I mean, that that plays so true right now with Kansas City. They use the horizontal passing game, uh, which really is an extension of the running game. They use spread formations to spread out that three, four uh, athletic defense to where Mahomes could pick spots uh, to throw it. Uh, and then they applied pressure. I think Spagnolo did a great job defensively of changing some looks, making it difficult, uh, making Lamar Jackson hold the ball longer than he wanted to uh, and reluctant to run. Uh, what, what shocked me, I think, early on, uh, Michael and Stormy, was that Baltimore uh, was uncomfortable. They weren't themselves, right? They didn't want to dominate the line of scrimmage or run the football. Uh, and that was shocking because I, I thought that was their path to victory and certainly would have made the game easier if they could establish that dominant running game. It's interesting because I, I think a theme of both of the teams that ended up losing yesterday was kind of shooting themselves in the foot in different areas, like the Ravens not playing right. to their strengths in the run games and, you know, different little things like the Zay Flowers would be touchdown that ends up being a fumble in the end zone. And then for Detroit, obviously the fourth down plays that could have been there, but ultimately aren't. And, you know, just a lot of things end up working against them in the second half. And they got away from the run game, too, that was so successful for them in the first half. Which loss do you think is worse based on what you saw yesterday? Well, I think the I think the Ravens, I, I mean, from a player's standpoint, uh, because I'm trying to put myself in both those teams shoes right now. And uh, from the Ravens standpoint, you had everything going for you. you're at home. You're playing the great football. You got Lamar Jackson, probably the MVP. You're clicking on all cylinders, but yet you get out of character or, or did your character show up like the, the discipline lack thereof? Uh, there was a reason why Kelsey was chirping, right? There was mm -hmm. a reason why uh, those things were happening because they were trying to get under your skin and composure is so big and big games and big moments. And Detroit, yeah, you know, Detroit has that tendency of holding on. We, we saw that in the playoffs a little bit. Uh, and then they scoreboard watch a little bit as well. And then certainly, I mean, some of the coaching decisions uh, will make you pull your hair out too. And, and I get it, uh, Dan Campbell, you do what got you there. But now that you're there, you do what wins the game. Yeah. Uh, and going up three possessions is so much different. Uh, as we all know, points are so hard to come by. Uh, in these championship games, these conference championship games. And if you forget about that, and if you don't take the points, all of a sudden now you find yourself uh, in, behind in a situation on the road trying to win a football game. Yeah, and, and I don't think he really was taking into account that his defensive front was beating up the 49ers. And if he makes it a drop back pass game, which three scores would have done again, then Kyle's right. kind of call sheet really gets reduced. He doesn't really have a lot. You know, he can't run it. He can't do all the things he wants to do. But once you get him back in the game and it's 24-17, now, you know, the call sheet's fully in play and we go to the fourth quarter. I, I just think to me, too often we make these decisions as we label them aggressive. When are they smart? Like as a player, you know, I saw Logan Ryan on Twitter today saying those are really dumb decisions by Detroit. I, I don't care what the Lions players say. We saw this with the with the with the Los Angeles Chargers. They all defended Staley for a while, but they turned on him after a while too because the, it wasn't smart. And I think that's what you have to be really careful. Mike, you've been in the locker room. You know, right. when, when you just cost yourself a chance to go to a, a game that you've never been to in your life. What are you thinking? Exactly. Uh, you know, a lot of times, too, and, and it's on the players. And, and we saw some players not make plays when they could have. Uh, and, and, you know, they'll look at that and make excuses. Uh, but I think when you manage the game or if you're coaching the game from a head coaching standpoint, uh, you, you have to be conscious of every scenario and understand at all times that points are so hard to come by. Possessions are probably more important than points. Right. And like you said, Michael, I mean, Detroit. And Aaron Glenn, they had a great plan for the drop back element uh, of San Francisco's passing game. I mean, they were making Brock get to his second and third progression. You can see his feet in the pocket. And so you're like, OK, Detroit, they got a good plan for that. Then all of a sudden, uh, as the game got tighter and they took shots and you could see the panic kind of setting in uh, on Detroit's set sidelines. So you, you, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Michael, was about um, the West Coast offense uh, and certainly um, as we saw three of the four teams in the final four employ the West Coast offense. And now we got two teams 
that run the West Coast offense. It's like, is is that a tip for betters moving forward? You know, how, how you can teach it, uh, you can coach it, uh, and therefore you get a uh, higher level of play from players you just don't expect uh, that higher level of play from. Yeah, I, I think, well, it, it helps you in terms of the teaching. You understand, you know, how you can help the quarterback become a little bit better player than perhaps he looks. It's a rhythm game and rhythm doesn't go out of style. You don't have to hold the football. And more than anything today, Mike, I think it's back in vogue because we can't find offensive linemen. I mean, Detroit has a unique situation where they've got this elite offensive line, and not many teams have them. You can, like Atlanta, they got all these first-round draft picks in their offensive line. They've got, they paid every one of them, and they were 24th in sacks allowed. I mean, sometimes even if you pay the guys, they're not good enough. So I, I think to me, the West Coast with the rhythm, get rid of the football, long handoffs, fine players that can turn yards after catch into, into plays is what's in vogue. Where Kyle gets into trouble is there's no drop back pass game. You know, he doesn't have that. And everybody in the league knows it. That's why that 0-38 stat, it's like his sheet for just pure drop back kind of shrivels up. And that that becomes a real issue. You got to understand what style does the team want to play, right? Everything's about style. And, you know, back in the day when you ran West Coast, everybody said, well, they're not a physical offense. Well, they were. And then when they took the rules where you couldn't jam the receivers, they became a better offense. Pritch, last uh, minute and a half here. What's your early thought process on this Super Bowl matchup? And we've seen the early money obviously coming in on Kansas City. Yeah, familiarity is going to be everything, I think, Stormy. Uh, and the reason why, you know, this spread is where it's at, I believe, even on a neutral uh, standpoint, because these two teams are going to understand each other. Uh, like like Michael was just talking about, Tragnola is going to understand that the drop back game is not there for Brock Purdy. So what is he going to try to get him to do is, is, is try to take away the run or slow down the run or make them panic to where they have to get to a drop back situation. And then if you are Kansas City, I think you're feeling better than ever that you know you can use the field horizontally and vertically uh, as MVS uh, st- stood up and, and caught a big pass uh, that you feel pretty confident, even that, that you haven't been as explosive as you want it to be, right? The matriculating of the football is, is certainly something that I think Kansas City is going to want to lean on uh, as they get closer to the Super Bowl and then also lean on that defense that has been outstanding, what, just 13 points uh, a game on average uh, in the three playoff games that they've had. So. Uh, it's an incredible matchup. I, I love the fact that the West Coast offense is prominently represented because it's an easy offense for players. Uh, and I think we're going to get an outstanding Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Thanks, Rich. You're awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Bridge. Have a great day. It's Mike Pritchard. And you can also, by the way, catch him on this show every single Friday, giving the players perspective. Uh, we're going to hit the break here real quickly, but wrapping things up on the Lombardi line. When we come back, keep it locked right here on VSIN and DraftKings Network. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. 
And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VSIN. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58. Again, use that code VSIN, V-S-I-N. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. San Francisco for the second week in a row has a gutty, gritty, come-from-behind win. And the Kansas City Chiefs just do what the Kansas City Chiefs seem to do, Michael, to make it to a Super Bowl. And they are getting bet pretty fast and furiously here since that line dropped. They were two-and-a-half-point underdog. Now just one total 47-and-a-half coming up in two weeks in the big game. Yeah, and I think to me there's a couple reasons for it, right? It's the Chiefs' resiliency the way they change their offense, right? We see this, their willingness to play conservatively, not try to win the game with explosive plays. The offensive line's gotten better. Their defense is good. And then the layer in where nobody's really sure that this 49er defense is elite, right? We've watched two teams now, the Green Bay and Detroit move the ball up and down the field on them. Right. And both teams left Kent, left San Francisco thinking we left points on the field, which they did, which they did. So I think it's kind of coming together, you know, and you've got Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, 10th pick overall in the draft and Mr. Irrelevant. So there's so many stories that are going to kind of build off of this. But at the end of the day, everybody's last impression was can't say dominated what we thought was one of the best teams in the league, dominated them. And now they're going to go play San Francisco, who barely beat Detroit. That's what's moving this line. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. And I did like, by the way, the clip that's been making the rounds of 49ers tight end George Kittle on the sideline of that Super Bowl loss four years ago to Kansas City saying, I will be back here. We'll be back here with a vengeance. And so uh, certainly some redemption on the line of San Francisco 49ers team that has not won a Super Bowl despite multiple appearances since 1994. Um, and and I, were you interested or surprised at all to hear Thomas Gable when we had him on earlier, director of the race and sports book at the Borgata in Atlantic City? He said he did not expect a flip of favorites in this game. And that surprised me a little bit considering how much everybody talks about Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City as an underdog. Well, I, but I think there's a huge part of the betting community that models teams that believe San Francisco is by far the best team in the league. And yeah, we've seen some evidence that their defense is leaky. We've seen some evidence that they, they've given up a lot of yards, but they've made plays in the second half. So I kind of get the sense that they have their supporters, right? Okay. They do. They have their supporters and they should. I mean, they, you know, you go 17 games, you're just not, you know, you're going to be a good enough team. So I think they're going to have enough supporters. And look, Kansas City's vulnerable. I mean, Kansas City beats a bad Miami team. They come back and Buffalo, they only have the ball for 22 minutes. They run 47 plays. They beat Buffalo. This game, they have it 37 minutes and they hold down Baltimore. So they've played resiliently. There's no doubt about it. 
And we'll have two full weeks that we can get into every possible angle previewing this game. Excited to get you out here to Vegas in person. We'll be on Radio Row in the big DraftKings set um, out there at the Mandalay Bay. So these last couple minutes here, let's shift gears a little bit to some news and notes that we haven't gotten to talk to because these AFC and NFC Championship games were taking over. But back into the coaching carousel, now that the Ravens and Lions are out of it, no more interview restrictions on Ben Johnson, on Mike McDonald from a coaching standpoint. Six of the head coaching vacancies have been filled still too open with Washington and Seattle. What's the latest that you've been hearing, Michael? Well, you know, I think Seattle, which everybody felt like was going to be Dan Quinn's job. I'm not sure that's the case. I heard they were really interested in, in Kafka. I think Mike McDonald, and now that he's available, I think people are going to warm up to him because he's done a really good job at Baltimore. I think Ben Johnson, everybody thinks he's going to Washington. I'm not sure. I'm told that when you meet Ben Johnson, he's really smart, but does he have the leadership skills you need? Uh, Last year, it didn't seem that way. Now, everybody's tying two and two together. You know, he turned down Carolina, if that's true. So that must mean he has a job somewhere. If you're a Lions fan, you got to hope Ben Johnson doesn't get one this year, because I think that's really going to be the critical component to the Lions being able to come back again. Because right now, he does so much. He does the whole game plan. He kind of works on his own there in Detroit, and he's done a really good job. He's a byproduct of Adam Gase, his offensive philosophy, and he's a great play caller. Whether he becomes a great head coach, I don't know. It's hard to tell. But I think, to me, this week we'll know more. Because I don't think anybody suspected that Baltimore and Detroit were going to be, well, Detroit, they did, but I don't think anybody expected Baltimore staff was going to have guys available McDonald because that opens up the door. San Francisco, if they lose coaches, it's going to be to the, Clint Kubiak could go to Denver to, to go to, to uh, New Orleans to be the offensive coordinator, right? So they could leave, lose Brian Greasy to that job or somewhere else. Whereas, you know, Kansas City, their coaches and San Francisco are not involved in the head coaches. So I think all the head coaching jobs will be filled by Friday of this week. Yeah, and it is interesting what you say about Ben Johnson as it pertains to the Lions' future because now my mind is going back to that sound that we played earlier from Dan Campbell talking about just how hard it is to get to a Super Bowl and this could be your only shot. You obviously hope it's not. He doesn't believe that's the case, but a guy like Ben Johnson has been so critical to making that offense click and making Jared Goff look like the quarterback that he has of late. And to further that point, I know you talk about, we heard those reports last week from Boomer Esiason saying that It's a lock that Ben Johnson is going to go to the commanders, but it seems like some steam has come off of that a little bit. Adam Schefter was saying earlier today about both Ben Johnson and Dan Quinn. He said, I'm not convinced yet that Ben Johnson's getting the commander's job. People think he's going to Washington and Dan Quinn is going to Seattle, but I'll bet you at a minimum, one of those things isn't right. And maybe both. And then you still have Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel out there waiting in the wings and wondering if they're not going to be getting an opportunity this offseason, which is crazy. Well, I think they're not. I mean, I think it's pretty clear the die has been cast. They're not going to get one. And so, you know, that's just what it is. And teams, as I wrote about, we wrote about today for the Daily Coach about, you know, guard your desk. You know, you don't want that to happen. I think ultimately, you know, you sit there and you say, wait a minute, are we really trying to win? Is this in the best interest of our team? And some teams just don't want to make a change at this point. You know, it's funny. They say you can't give a coach that much control. Right. The two teams in the, in the Super Bowl, their head coaches are in complete control of the organization. They have general managers. Right. I mean, they have GMs, but John Lynch works for Kyle. Brett Veach works for Andy Reid. Like they'll listen. They take it all in. It's the same thing. And I think ultimately that's what 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 people see is the right dynamic. Now, Brad Holmes has done a good job in Detroit. So is Dan Campbell. You know, and you look at John Harbaugh with the Costa. But I think to me, the two teams that are run by coaches are in the Super Bowl. We also had a couple coordinator updates too. Joe Brady gets promoted to the full-time offensive coordinator there in Buffalo. Former Bills DC Ken Dorsey is now the new OC with the Cleveland Browns. And we already knew last week that Vic Fangio was stepping in for the Eagles DC job, but Joystick himself, Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator in Philly. Get the pretzels out. My man's coming to Philly. This is going to be interesting because we know he wants to throw the football, right? And their quarterback needs to run it. So it's going to be interesting how they blend this together. 
and how his play calling and game management improve within the Philadelphia framework. Because with Vic on the other side of the defense, trust me, we saw that I predicted this in Miami. That wasn't going to last very long in Miami, right? We knew that. And there were already to, you know, difficulties or philosophical difficulties within there. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works out, what he does with the offense and how they kind of coach and what they, how they handle Jalen Hurts. You know what I got to thinking about Stormy? This is always interesting. Maybe this is a segment one day we should do is what would the reaction be in Philadelphia if they would have lost the way Detroit lost? What would the reaction be in Philly if, if they would have lost the way Baltimore lost? Like, put the fan base in a different city and then tell me what the answer to that would be. Oh, my God. I could only imagine Philly today. I could only imagine it. Philly, I was thinking the same thing about Dan Campbell and Mike McCarthy. Imagine the reaction if it was Mike McCarthy who was was in that situation, right. having the opportunity to go for points or or go for the fourth down. Like, it, I, it's so funny. We're very much in lockstep with that because Cowboys fans, same way. I would love to hear that fan base today. Or how about like John Harbaugh's three and six hasn't been to a Super Bowl since 12, right? He's three and six in his last playoff, nine playoff games. And nobody talks about him potentially losing his job when he shouldn't. He just won 13 games. He was the number one seed. But Mike, Mike McCarthy's got to go out of there. He's got to get rid of him. He's got to go. Right. Like, how's that narrative changed so dramatically? Well, at least they're in, they went to the AFC championship game. That's the thing that you got to keep on pulling on with Dallas. Right. Like, come on. We got to get to an NFC championship game one of these days. Right. Well, but even if they got there, they would still be complaining about McCarthy. That, <laughs> the fact is they don't like McCarthy. The fans don't like him. That's um. it. They, they're not objective. Harbaugh, okay. You know, he doesn't call offense or defense. He runs the team, and the team was the team didn't look well coached that day. Listen, I don't mind taking digs at Cowboys fans because it's just funny to me. It's always Super Bowl or bust. It's always bust. It's always bust. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.